Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for August 7th of 2020. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHits.com. August 7th. Happy birthday, Sid. <laughs> Get out of the fucking bubble. You're out. Go can't, potty. Even, can't even stay for a birthday cake. The Pittsburgh Penguins are out. Four games it took for Montreal to dispose them. Penguins are out of the bubble. The uh, Predators are out of the bubble today. The Maple Leafs are on their way out of the bubble. The Oilers are out of the bubble. <laughs> the bubble has not been good to the higher-ranked teams. And Dom LeCision is doing some very funny tweets about playoff probabilities from, like, March. With some of these is this teams. The point, is this the point? Is this the point one percent? Yeah, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the 0.1% of them actually making the playoffs, but because of the new format, they're in and advancing. I don't have a problem with that at all. This is a weird situation. I don't, I'm not going to, uh, I don't want to complain about the, the playoff format, especially as we talk about the Penguins. That absolutely was not the problem. <laughs> um, yeah. But. Second year in a row, the Penguins do not advance to the next round. And second year in a row, it's only four games. Yes, they they actually won a game this year, but still out in four games against um, teams that I thought they had matched up fine against. Like, it wasn't a mismatch. They had every chance and ability to beat the other team and move on. So... Uh, two very underachieving seasons in the midst of the Crosby Malkin era. And man, I, I don't know. I used to get a little bit more upset with this kind of stuff back in the day. Um, now it, it helps that when you win like three cups in an era, you know, it takes the sting off a little bit, but you know, it's self-inflicted. So it is what it is. And, you know, they could fix things, but they chose not to. And then they absolutely deserved what they got. The Pittsburgh Penguins absolutely deserved to lose uh, because of their stubborn coach. I thought Mike Sullivan was awful. I thought he coached uh, poorly. I thought he was a clown in this series with a lot of the different stuff he did. Um doesn't take away some of the good stuff that he's done over the years, uh, but he certainly deserves harsh criticism, in my opinion, and he's going to get quite a bit of it today. It's it's interesting, you know. This series could have been wrapped up in three by either. Well, I suppose not after game two, but Pittsburgh could have, should have won game one, did win game two, and had every opportunity to win game three and be like Carolina, and they kind of blew it. And I don't think Montreal did anything particularly fantastic. Uh, Carey Price did play very well at times. There were times where he didn't have to be Canadian Carey Price, if you know what I mean. And yep. And you, and you can put that down to the fact that Montreal did play Pittsburgh well and, and stopped the players that you would hope if you're a Pittsburgh fan to be able to win games, actually get an opportunity to win games for you. Um, but there are decisional things that happen before the teams even get on the ice that I think don't help Pittsburgh at all. And, you know, it starts in net and then bleeds out into the defense and then bleeds into the forwards. And you said it on, on Twitter at some point, actually, was it, yeah, I think it was Twitter, where you got there and you said, every piece matters. Like every little piece of the puzzle actually matters. And the amount of times that... Um, the third pairing was hidden in the offensive zone at the detriment of Crosby or Malkin um, is nuts. And the refusal to roll out the two-headed monster in the last five minutes of the game after the Canadians scored the, the go-ahead goal... He's such a fucking sheer, putz for not doing that. It's sheer arrogance. One thing, look, Bilesma had his flaws. Every coach have their flaws, right? And and Bilesma got himself run out of town due to, due to bad lineup decisions and, and just bad goaltending, right? Um you, you look at the fact that at the end of every period, he tried his hardest. Admittedly, they were in their prime doing this, 
Um, so it is slightly different, I suppose, but the philosophy should still be the same. At the end of every period, no matter what the score was, he had them out there on the ice. So not just at the end of games, the end of every period. And TV timeouts were utilized. Yeah, it just, it is baffling to me. And it's not like the third and the fourth lines of garbage where you don't want to mangle Well, them. one of them was. You, but he, like here now, though, like the third and fourth lines here, like for Sullivan now, they're not total, they're not a total tie fire. Well, but um, the, the third line was. Uh, but I wouldn't have thought that, I'll tell you what, give me to Brandon Tanev in regards to that decision to throw that pass into the middle at some point when we go through this, that was just fucking nuts. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm sorry. It was. It was. <laughs> was I know mistake. that they exit. I know they exit outside that side of the ice. They always do it and they throw that pass out there. But he just lobbed it into the middle. He didn't even try and throw an aerial and just make sure it got to the clear side of the ice. He just sort of threw it in there. Not that I, I'm serious when I say this, but it's almost like he wanted him to lose. Yeah, um, you know, I'm I'm kind of over Mike Sullivan. I know uh, he he gets the hero treatment a lot, and yes, winning back-to-back cups it's it's not Do really um, <laughs> surprising nor uh, wrong to to hold a coach in high esteem that does that. He's won a few in the history of the the league that has, and the only back-to-back champion, I believe, in the salary cap era. So there, there is legitimate praise to be had. Um, it's just not going to be that kind of podcast today where I'm going to be like overly looking for some of the great things that he does. You're not um, going to be apologetic. Because he can't get the easy decisions right. And it's why I thought he had nowhere, no business being near um, a finalist for the Jack Adams this year, even though I, I don't really care about that award in general. But a lot of people um, were uh, Penguins-related people were upset that he didn't get that. Uh, well, you look at the losing streak at the end of the regular season in March. They're not in this play-in round. Um, you look at the last few years. Um, it needs to be said he plays Jack Johnson every fucking game. Sometimes he puts him in the top pairing for a month or so at a time. Jack Johnson had more five-on-five five minutes than Sidney Crosby until the last five minutes of the game today. The Jack Johnson-Justin Schultz pairing had more minutes than the Marino-Pedersen pairing today. I, I will ask you this. Is that Goncha? No. Uh, well, okay. It doesn't matter if it's... I, I don't think Goncha... It would be more Jacques Martin, I think, if it were. Uh, but guess what? It's on the head coach. We're we're not talking about um, game four solely. Like, this is a two-year thing. Yes, I I fully understand that. It's just that it feels like the pairings were set. The last two years, they've been, these are going to be our pairings, right? Marino's come in and and bailed them out in regards to actually having Marino around this year as an additional asset. But it was like they were set in regards to the way they wanted their pairings to be. And it's like, well, there is a coach... In that rost in in that uh, coaching group that rolls the pairings out, that is not what Mike Sullivan does. At some point, though, if you're the head coach, because you're right, it sits with him. You have to get there and say, "What the fuck are you doing?" I, but and, he's and quite comfortable with it. I think everybody asks that question consistently because the results have been terrible since day one. That day one of the signing. Jim Rutherford's on his high horse saying how he knows why the Columbus Blue Jackets didn't play him with John Tortorella firing back, calling him bullshit. Like, it's been a gong show since day one. And in hindsight, doesn't really look like the Blue Jackets fucked up, does it? Well, the LA Kings. Yeah, well, it's true. That tweet I did make today. Jack Johnson gets traded from LA in February of 2012. L.A. goes from just kind of a, you know, a whatever eighth seed to the league leader the rest of the season in possession, Corsi 4 percentage, and expected goals for percentage. Um, of course, Jonathan Quick had his legendary playoff run that, uh, that year. But they were also number one in those uh, very important team areas 
Um, and then won a cup again, uh, two cups in three years. He goes to Columbus. They've never won a playoff series. They get rid of him. They sweep the fourth best regular season team of all time. And right as we're talking right now, are 20 minutes away um, from, I don't want to call it an upset per se, but um, beating the Toronto Maple Leafs to move on a second consecutive year past where the Penguins were. So The only way you're going to get rid of him is to try and get rid of him through the Kraken, and you are right. I can't see that happening for the, for the, the obvious reasons that they don't want to go near anybody like that from what they've said. I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that they might be able to weaponize their cap space because of teams that are very tight to it. But is that going to cost um, the Penguins their 15th overall pick or whatever it might be? Yes, I said 15th overall pick. I said it. 87.5% chance, 15th overall pick or whatever the hell it may be. <laughs> you know. We'll discuss the, that on another podcast. <laughs> Lafreniere stuff is, you know, I, I it, it's fun. I get it. Um, it's still a 12.5% chance. So it can still happen. Uh, it can, it. and it would be yeah. hilarious. Not, I, I don't need it so much as like from a rooting for the penguin standpoint as trolling <laughs> the entire league standpoint would be more <laughs> enter, entertaining to me. Oh yes. That would be very amusing. And then I can write a blog about it's about time. The penguins got lucky. <laughs> You know, they've been screwed all these years. They finally caught a break. Oh, you tried. Unironically and see how many people goes over their head. That that would be fun. I'm all down for that. <laughs> but, you know, it sucks to say, but I do. I mean, Jack Johnson was the biggest reason they lost the series, and it's crazy that a third-pairing defenseman who you're supposed to be able to hide or do whatever with um, was ultimately their downfall because they gave up a ton of goals with him on the ice in close games. And I honestly think that it could have been a sweep for Pittsburgh, if not for him. But that's kind of my point. All three of those first three games, they could have already been out like the, the game winner in OT. What the fuck the hell those two were doing in OT and you're up to zip because of the game two result. And I know that there's the sliding doors thing with in regards to what happens here, there, and everywhere sort of thing. But a game, the Penguins game kicked their ass the first two games. Yes, I know. And, and the I process was probably, good. Yep. And and then I suppose if you're a coach, there you go. The process is good. The process is fine. We shouldn't be changing anything. But it's like no, no, no. You lost game one because of a regular fuck up, fucked up again. Like, yeah. UC Recola can't be any worse. Chad Rurin Johnson be is re- below replacement level. By definition, it would be really tough to find a replacement player to be worse. Because yes. the replacement player, the average baseline for that, is still better than him. So why don't we do this? Um, let's go through some of it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this was before... Some of these stats are before today's game of Game 4. Um, I do not believe Jack Johnson was on the ice for the lone even-strength goal. No, I don't think he was. Um, he, he was like the second-worst possession player on the team with a, with 15 minutes of even-strength time, something like that. But he, he wasn't on the ice for a goal. So after three games... According to Dmitry Filipovich, 32 minutes, 48 seconds of ice time with Jack Johnson on the ice. The Penguins gave up five goals. In 98 minutes and 13 seconds, only two without him on the ice. Dom decision. Game score. Jack Johnson's game score tonight was minus 3.4, which is, capital letters, not good. Third worst game of the playoffs (laughs) so far. Um. Yeah, so Jack Johnson had a 15.19% shot quality share, basically expected goals for at 5-on-5 tonight for the Penguins, according to Natural Stat Trick, and was on the ice for three goals against. Uh, 
Johnson has now been on the ice for five out of seven Habs goals in the series. That's from J Fresh Hockey. Uh, newer account that I kind of stumbled upon this week and quite impressed with his um, his stuff. So check it out, uh, J Fresh Hockey. Uh, I've appreciated uh, seeing some of his stuff out there. So there's no sugarcoating it. And he keeps getting ice time, keeps getting ice time. And like you said, all the pieces do matter. And it's problematic when you're trailing in a game in the in a short series like this and you're burning offensive zone faceoffs in the third period while trailing because you need to hide Jack Johnson specifically. Justin Schultz, who was probably just as bad as him, but at least Justin Schultz has shown a pulse of like helping the team in the past. And also putting Sam Lafferty out there. What a joke that choice was. Sam Lafferty stinks. I don't like know if how people sh- think If you're going to shake it up, if you're going to shake it up, like that's that's not that's not it. Like he's that's offensively a black hole. If you're benching McCann because he can't get anything going, you're going to put in a guy that literally will not help you offensively. He scored a goal early in the year when he first got in, and he skates hard, you know. He's just he was working another, hard in the. He's just another he was working plug. hard. He was working hard in the in the pre games leading up to it. I remember seeing it all over Twitter. Oh my god, he's not good. Yeah, I know. And you know, I think the toughest thing to do with this hockey analyzing stuff is talk about a player like Connor Sherry for a series like this, because there's so much nuance involved and people just can't wrap their head around it yes i know he's not an ideal winger for crosby in a perfect world he wouldn't need to go there but who else was there that could perform that was performing you know what i mean yeah so he wasn't really a problem in the sense of he's not why they lost but the reason I bring him up is he's part of a trade that I was kind of like, okay, whatever, Evan Rodriguez, fine depth player. But then you don't even, like, use him. So you get rid of Dominic Cahoon for what reason? Oh, I thought right. part of the reason was Evan Rodriguez would be part of it if they needed a 13th forward. But they didn't yeah, even I don't use know how him. Lafferty jumps him in the in Yeah, the that's what I'm talking about. Another boneheaded play by the coach and the power play sucked power play sucked all year for the personnel they have now that's definitely a coaching thing i know people get there and say well they're fucking awesome players and they are they should be able to work it out but they never worked out what to do once phil left simple as that never figured it out never even like tried something smart to figure it out it's You've always garbage. said this to me on the podcast and on Twitter. Create your two-on-ones and then let the talent go from there. And they haven't got a structure that creates two-on-ones to allow that. And even when sometimes they do get them, it's Malkin on the left circle, not in a shooting position, um, always in a passing position. So when the complaint is, why, why do the Penguins... They just pass it around too much. There's no urgency or whatever. Well, it's the, the setup does not have them, doesn't have the personnel in the right spots to attack at the times that are necessary. It so. is interesting watching the game with my wife when she gets there and goes, why isn't sit down low, which is one of your favorite hashtags, and why is Malcolm all the way over on the top of the left-hand circle when he's a left-hander? And I'm like... This is why they can't score, babe. This is why this happens. And she just rolls her eyes and goes and does something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's it's pathetic to me. Um, and it's just a really bad job by the coaching staff to not get that power play right. Because there's enough guys there on the roster to figure out a way to do it. Gensel's a right-hander, right? No. But. All right. Put Hornquist him. is a right-hander, but you're not putting Hornquist uh, yeah. in a... Case in Sorry, point, case in point to, to, I'm glad you brought that up. 
Malkin's only good play the whole series. He had a bad series. You usually will not get some Malkin criticism um, from, from me us. unless he earns it. And he did. I thought he had a bad series. But his one good play was on that power play when he passed it east to west, all the way across to Patrick Hornquist, who wasn't sitting in front of the net. He was kind of in that left circle um, role. He was way down, but it was a far pass across where uh, Hornquist actually had to shoot it from distance in the net. And, you know, that's that's my point. Malkin being in a shooting position over there draws attention. It creates more lanes. He can he can do things quicker being on his off wing, to the point where Patrick Hornquist was on the other end of a pass like that and had all the time in the world and sniped it. He did. Like Kylie and I went, was that Hornquist? Like Jesus, you give him some time and space and look what he can do. So. Having Malkin there, he can even get Patrick Hornquist to do those kinds of things. So, like, come on. Yeah. It's ridiculous. So it's um it's been it's been tough to watch because their um their team overall not not bad. Not not probably one of the, the, the better teams of this entire uh run of the last decade or so, but I thought it was good enough to win it, though. I really did. I thought that they'd put enough decent pieces in the right places to be able to win it. And it would mean things would have to go their way. Like, you know, a particular team might have to get knocked out before them and stuff like if Boston got knocked or something like that before they met them um, and uh, an upset went through... On the on the west, it would, it would make things easier for them. But I I had hopes that they would get to the conference finals. Absolutely, I did. And the Murray decision and the bottom pairing decisions really put obviously a big stopper in that because they are toast now. Well, I don't disagree with much of what you're saying. I didn't know what their their ceiling was on like conference finals, Stanley Cup finals, something like that. I know their aspirations are cup or bust. Yeah, they, they, they should have been able to get by Montreal, 24th place Montreal, that's for sure. Yep. Whether or not they had enough to get through Boston or Washington, who were the next two, or the, those were the options, I believe. Or Philly. No, I think I think it got whittled down based on the round robin that it was going to be Boston or Washington. Oh, right, because Philly had won. I think right. Philly's the, could be the one seed. Believe it or not, I tell you what they've uh, they've turned a corner for this season. Yeah, they look they look pretty good. So they do. Um, you know, I I know the expectation wasn't losing the fucking round robin to the Canadians. <laughs> that wasn't. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is true. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so you brought up the goaltending decision, and I think where we left it last week, we were both like, I think we'd go with Jari, but. It's weird with the layoff, and they're probably not going to go with Jari. They went with Murray. And, um, you know, Murray was 914, slightly above league average. Uh, when Carey Price is on the other end doing his thing, uh, kind of makes it not so great. Um, but I don't I don't think that's why they lost. I think Murray is yeah, fine. It's one of those things. I might mark him harshly for the obvious reasons stated prior to every, in every other podcast when we talk about him, but it felt like he was never confident or in control of what he was doing. Okay, and that's fair. That that kind of bleeds into the way you play in front of your goalie. Like every team looks fantastic when their goalie is stopping everything because they go, "Well, if I fuck up, he's going to bail me out." And I don't think Murray ever really looked like he had the capability of doing that in any of the three games that he played in. And, you know, he let in a couple of goals that you kind of wished he hadn't. And every goal he's allowed to do that, unless the goalie at the other end is playing out of their skin. And Carey Price was Carey Price. He played at an elite level of a goalie that didn't have to play 65 games prior to the playoffs and is absolutely exhausted. 
His his numbers were great. Um, yeah. I, I don't think he was playing at an insane can't beat him level. It's not like Pittsburgh didn't put two three spots on him. No, that's true. But if you look at the types of goals that they managed to score on him, they weren't they weren't situation. They were a lot of left to rights or right to left. There were a lot of horizontal plays that, for any goalie, no matter how freaking awesome you are and how good you are, are problematic. And they were the goals that they were scoring. Goals you would expect to score on. And Murray, to me, just never really felt like he gave me any confidence. And Jerry was okay. I mean, it's tough coming in to have your first game as the elimination game. And I don't think he really did He really did much wrong until he kind gave of up one scored. goal. Yeah, and it was a goal where he got himself out of position. <laughs> he made, it. made a lot of good saves, big saves, yeah. and um, I'll say this: the thing I looked up today with Matt Murray before um, today's game, before I knew he was um, not starting, I was kind of looking yep. up some numbers on the ice with Jack Johnson: fifteen saves on twenty shots for a seven fifty save percentage. Without Jack Johnson, stopped 56 out of 59 for a 949 save percentage. So yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. What do you What are you supposed to do with that? Oh, you've got to pay attention to it and do something about it. That's the this really sucky thing with it. Like that's the reality, isn't it? He didn't have to deal with that in the two cup runs he had. Like there's, there is, it is one of those things where all roads lead to a particular signing decision, um, and it's really hard to fix it. In the sense that the coach, quite, it seems as though the coach feels obliged to keep playing him. I, I, I do not understand how that coaching staff can get there and go. Oh yeah, 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 there's reasons X, Y, and Z that overplay the problems of A, B, and C that make it worthwhile keeping this asset on the ice, being completely harsh and impersonal about it. Yeah, and it's it's tough. I don't want to venture off into the wild speculations of, well, Rutherford told him he has to play him kind of deal, because I don't know that. No, correct. Um one might make an argument that might be the case based on how shitty he is and he never leaves the lineup. Um, but that could also be Mike Sullivan just being bad at his job. His quotes before his quotes before the game about, uh, you know, change something because stuff hasn't been working or you, you know what I mean? Like he was really just trying to come up with some statements that wouldn't show his hand. But to me, it felt like he was a guy that's like, fuck you guys. I'm the coach. I'm going to do what I want, which you should be doing. But he's proven that he has a particular style or philosophy of hockey that Jack Johnson quite clearly fits into and has not been successful since he's been at the club. Or any club he's ever been at. Yeah. Because to add to that list of teams that you know don't do shit when he's on... I went back to his college seasons. Ooh. Played for Michigan. Michigan, that's right. The two years he was on the team are the only two years they were one and done for quite a stretch of time before and after. He just doesn't help. I don't know what I don't know what he does that makes coaches all the way through his so we'll stick to it with the NHL. Early, early on, it he... was college points. He had good points with Michigan, like thirty-eight points one year as a defenseman. Gets drafted number three overall. Has size. Back in the day, could skate well. Seems to have his head up. Um, looks the part, making passes and that kind of stuff uh, without pressure and that kind of thing. You know, he he's great at faking it. Kind of like Rasmus Ristolainen would be a, a, another example. Another comparable. Except, except yeah, Ristolainen gets way more points than Johnson kind of ever did in the NHL other than I think one year Johnson with the Kings had 40 points. I just, I just struggle to understand 
the protection or like I don't like there's got to be more to it than that like what is it that he's doing in the room in the weights room in the in the hockey group that makes him like irreplaceable because that's basically how he's been treated doesn't matter what he does wrong you never get taking him out of the out of the roster off the off the ice you know, I understand that with a guy like the Tang, he's going to make some boneheaded plays. And he made a few that were like, oh my God, you passed that straight up the ice and you didn't get it through the first four check. But it's Latang. So you, you you take that because you know he's got the ability to, to do more than just make up for that one error. It's just, I don't get how Johnson get, keeps getting free passes. It's not like his ice time got cut. No, it went up today. It's just... That's baffling. That, that pairing played more than the Marino pairing. He was playing more than Sidney Crosby on his fucking birthday. <laughs> <laughs> so much for the, all the jokes of the eight and seven. Yeah. His team got 86. Yeah. Um, it's just so beyond stupid the reason they lost this year and I think it should cost the coach his job and I know that hasn't really been brought up a lot over the years Uh, I I, I certainly haven't been one to I have not brought it up until very recently as in like today yeah Um, and it went down well I, um, you know, it's the shelf life of these coaches. It It's not forever. Even winners. Um, Joel Quinville had to move on. Uh, Daryl Sutter had to move on. These, these guys that, that win the championships, it, you know, it comes to a point where it's like, okay. I guess that was uh, a good run, and uh, we're going to go in a different direction. I think they absolutely the Penguins have to go in a different direction right now because they are 1-9 in their last 10 playoff games. 1-9. Yeah, Is that good that enough? that doesn't cut it. No, it's not, not with this roster. It's not. Because you don't, you don't play the regular season and have a good regular season win percentage or point percentage to be, you know... 10% in the playoffs. His, his roster was plenty good enough to to, yep. to to do more. And they lost because of his choices. Yes, I know Malkin yeah. could have played better. I'm, I'm with you on that. But they lost because Jack the th- Johnson bled goals with Justin Schultz. I think it frustrates me because it's not like the roster was injured and he had no choices. You know what I mean? Like, he had healthy options that he could have put in. And he sat McCann for a scrub when McCann wasn't the worst of the worst. Yeah, McCann not looking so hot uh, this stretch in 2020. Um, You know, everybody talking about what a steal that trade was. I see Derek Broussard doing things for the Islanders. No, I'm not saying Derek <laughs> Broussard was a good penguin. That is not what I'm saying. But, um, you know, Rutherford apologists, it's like, you know, they go overboard with everything. Oh, look at this. He'll fix his mistakes. The Broussard acquisition was done in the right process. It just didn't work out. And that's fine. That That is absolutely fine. Because not every trade is going to work. But all the recent ones, they, they don't really work yeah i know what you mean and he's burned through so many assets undoing his dumb shit and you know what if he's gonna move jack johnson and let's say earlier to your point to to your cracking point they ain't taking him for free no you know well the blue jackets just up three nothing with about six minutes left or so so, yeah, the Blue Jackets, two years in a row. 
will go what past the Penguins to... without Jack Johnson. What happens to that Toronto front office and coaching staff now? That's going to be as curious as what happens with two teams with very high expectations and two teams yeah. that have flopped in the last well, two playoff runs. Let's. Um... I don't want to go too deep on them, but I'll say this. Uh, there were things that, well, Dubis' argument overpaid Matthews and Marner and that kind of stuff. Uh, but we come to find out Mitch Marner needed to be overpaid because Mike Babcock was a fucking asshole to him. And they had to trade away a first-round pick to get rid of Marlowe's shitty contract that Lamarillo signed. So... Um, I think Dubis, uh, the Kadri trade, uh, in hindsight, not very, not a good one, because uh, Tyson Berry wasn't very good for them, and Kadri is good. So it is. He was so undervalued whilst in Toronto, and then you find out when he's not there what he actually provided. That's the thing that I find interesting with the Kadri trade. Well, I think part of it was stop getting fucking suspended in that the first round every year. Yeah, uh, I think that's not helping, his, not helping his own argument there. Absolutely right. <laughs> um, but, you know, Dubas has to get rid of Nikita Zaitsev, a horrible contract. Uh, but in return, they're playing Cody Cece with Morgan Riley. Like, come on. Why didn't you just spin Cece off on somebody else and not, you know, play him? <laughs> so at what, point, at what point do you say this is just Dubas's roster like and how like how long do you I, give I think now a general I think manager you can now but it costs assets to undo stuff that's that's sort of what i mean it's like so i for me i would say it's this offseason where you go right everything that happens from this point forward if Dubas still has a fucking job is him moving forward right so there's no complaint babcock complaint you know what i mean there's none of there's no more excuses in front of him it's like there should be no more excuses in front of Rutherford for his apologist. It's like, these are all his decisions. Anything that you could say was, was Ray Shiro, that's all gone. Like, all of that, you can't now. There's there's no more of that. It's been his for a while. So it's not like you, you can try and, and roll it back to, oh, well, this bad contract here is the problem. It's like, no, these are all his choices. So for, for Pittsburgh now, the harder thing is, I, I think for trying to fill the holes around the roster, Crosby and Malkin are, once again, a year older, right? Their ability to cover up a general manager's mistakes is just harder. Yeah, it's it's not easy to do. Um, As far as the Penguin situation, Rutherford wasn't really given a tough situation to come into. No, you always say that they've got the cheat code, and, and they do. You know, like Washington have a cheat code. Yeah, the new guy that came in had a lot to work with. From, uh, I don't know why I'm drawing a blank. Uh, George McPhee left, you know, decent enough situation. New guy comes in, does some nice things on the on the edges. Much like Rutherford comes in and does a nice thing. A few things on the edges, gets Cullen, gets rid of Sutter, gets Benino in there. Uh, Phil Kessel, obviously huge, not on the edges kind of um, deal. Big, uh, you know, I think that was Rutherford's finest moment. Uh, Phil Kessel, by the way, who had a slap shot goal today. Holy shit, never seen one what? of those. What? Yes. <laughs> uh, Phil Kessel, who also will be going further than the Penguins this year. It's just, it's just like the NHL this year has just decided to rub all the salt into all of the wounds of Penguins fans. <laughs> Until the draft is rigged. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that on another day, I reckon. That's going to be fucking hilarious. Because that'll be, that'll, be that'll be Tuesday morning my time. And so with me moving house on the weekend after it, we'll see how we go squeezing that in. But uh, we get, I'm going to have to find 20 minutes at the minimum to ask, have a chuckle about it. Yeah. Um, so, oh, Toronto scored right away, 3-1. to one. Well, that would be fun if they uh, tied it up. 
God, imagine if they had a 3-0 comeback and won. I want to... I watch a lot of Toronto. I kind of don't want them to go yet. Yeah, but they're good. Like, they're fun to watch. It's like with Pittsburgh and Washington having their massive rivalries through the, the peak of their best players, those teams were unreal to watch. They played hockey the... They played hockey a fun way. Yeah, I just want to watch Austin Matthews play hockey. So can can we do yeah. that? Although Dubois, well, fun in his own right, but he's not Matthews. So. Yeah, correct. Now, all the way back to Sullivan. Oops, sorry, we got sidetracked. Um, you know, there's there's a couple coaches sitting there that are pretty decent that I think could be potentially good fits for um, Pittsburgh that don't have jobs right now. And one, Gerard Gallant, who did a really nice job with both um, Florida and then famously Vegas when he took them to the Stanley Cup final in the inaugural year. Got fired when, like, Vegas was one of the best expected goals for teams in the league. I would, I, I would if I was Pittsburgh, I would want to know the, the, the reason that that happened. That's the one that interests me the most in regards to why did he get the ass? You yeah. need to know that the intimate details of that decision because oh my god, three to two. Sorry, <laughs> I'm about ten seconds behind you. Uh, oh, shit. Shot, Let's go. Let's go. Three minutes left. Three two. We'll keep you. We'll keep you posted. By the time you listen to it, the game's over. But I don't give a shit. Do you? Do you pull the goalie again straight away once you win the face-off? Yeah, you got it. Or now that it's down by a goal, do you wait? I don't know. Because they've had two internet. I think when you, get a Correct. Good, when you get a good opportunity, you just got to do it. So that would be really... <laughs> now I'm intrigued. Um, so, <laughs> Gallant, I would, be, I would be fine with that. Yeah, I would too. Now... Not going to be surprised to our loyal Hockey Hurts listeners, who my number one choice to take over for Mike Sullivan will be the best coach of the salary cap era. Mr. Bruce Boudreaux would be perfect. He's done a great job I'm... everywhere. He does great job with elite talent with Washington and uh, when he was in Anaheim, did, did a lot of great things. He did great things with Minnesota's boring ass roster. He's the guy. I would I would like to see Sid, Gino, Latang, and I'm just gonna include Gensel in this. Just with a guy that wants to create offense. You know what I mean? Like he he wants to win full five. Yeah, and that's what lost them the game today. I think it was a tactical decision. It looked it. Like, they were intentionally playing on their heels defensively. That awful shit game that we had to watch today. Looked intentional on Penguins' part for the when it was still first half of the game and 0-0. Now, when they were trailing and still looked like shit. No, that was not part of the coaching strategy, I don't think. <laughs> um, so, you know... He oh, dialed he them back after, like, dominating the first two games. And, like, you're, what, going to try and get into a low-scoring game against the team that has Carey Price playing well? So that's the thing that I, I don't understand. It, it's like you've, you've you dominated the first two games, right? So quite clearly, and it's 1-1, so quite clearly what you were doing was doing pretty well. Yet... You sit there and go, right, we're going to have a complete change of philosophy in an elimination game. But not, I change, just... but not change in personnel to why it's that way. Yeah, and, and you, you're putting yourself in a situation where you are literally, in a sport that is very coin flippy a lot of the time, relying on coin flips to go your way. And it's like, come on, the hockey gods do not give a toss who you, who you are. They just flip the coin and screw you over or... Give you what you want. I, it just it baffles me that you don't put your best players in a position to win. And he just didn't. That's all you ever ask for as a fan. Put your team in the best position to win. And that requires you putting your best players 
on the ice in situations to do that. And I think Mike Sullivan's been derelict in that duty. And just not being creative at all when they do need a goal. Not... Yeah, creativity is not anything I've seen out of him through his entire time. So I, I'll I'm give like, him credit for like the HBK line because a lot of people would try to put Kessel with Crosby and Malkin full-time. Yeah, they scored. Worked. They fucking scored. Holy shit. Oh, dude. See, now I know they scored. So that's the gap. That's the gap between my internet coverage and you watching it on the TV? Uh, internet TV. Oh, you're still ahead of me. Oh, I can't believe that. Poor Elvis. Okay, so truth be told, I knew they scored before they scored because my lights, the goal light went off early. Ah. I got I got Philip Hughes lights synced to an app now. I got those like color lights, the smart lights, and it's been really fun the whole playoffs. Like I have the the lights going off for all the goals. So if I'm watching another game and I see the lights go off and it and and the the lights are done by color, so it was blue and white. So I knew that it wasn't blue and red. So. Um, Zach Hyman, ha <laughs> ha, broke the Hyman. Look at him go! <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> oh man, I'm pumped. Sorry, I'm not even <laughs> saying it from like an anti Blue Jackets thing. Um, man, no, this is good. This is pro hockey. Is Dubas gonna have his job? <laughs> well, he's good now. He's, he's better, <laughs> better well, than no, he was even ten if they minutes lose, ago. Even if they lose this. Like now, like poor old Elvis. They showed some heart. They showed some heart. This sport is a cruel, cruel mistress, isn't it? Yeah. Oh man. Oh wowee. Yeah. Poor Elvis. Look at those blue jackets. They do not look thrilled. Okay. Anyways, intermission for that. Um. So Boudreaux would be my my guy. Yeah, I think, I'm, I think I'm, it's I'm incredibly high, uh, highly of him. The goaltending's fucked him in the past. People are going to be like, what's he ever won? And it's like, do you not look at the way his teams play? Do you not look at like the underlying numbers of the teams that he's coached? How consistently great they are? And that every game seven, his goalies go on vacation for some reason? Yeah, why do they crack? I like, don't know. You, but you do get there, like, and you're right. You, you look at everything that goes through, and, and he's got all of those boxes ticked. But then it's like, why does his goalie go on vacay in Game 7 or in Elimination Games? I think one like, of the times it was John Gibson. Like, come on. Or was yeah, it? Uh, was Or was it Freddie Anderson? I can't remember. Well, the other thing is, it's like, I'm, I'm a, a, a reasonably big fan of Vlamov, and then he had that, he put that egg up in that game seven against Pittsburgh in 09. Like, you, you sit there and you're just like, I I think the winner of that series goes on and at least gets to the cup final. And, you know, you look at the the history paths of, of Malcolm Crosby and Ovechkin, who are all sort of clumped together for obvious reasons, could be very different story if, if Vali had a better game seven. Yeah, man. Craig Adams scored a breakaway goal on him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> That's how that game went for them. And to Fleury's credit, stopped a Ovechkin breakaway before any of it. So, Well, that that pulled the... Anyway, that's going... Don't do that. I'll just go on and on and on and on and on. Um, yeah, so, oh, yeah. I'm, I'm down for the Boudreaux. Do I, do I think they're going to do it? No. no. Um, you'd need you'd need you would need a complete change of direction in regards to the general manager, and Rutherford is going to stay there until he's kicked out. He's not going to walk. The guy Rutherford won a Stanley Cup with as a coach is available, I believe. Oh, I don't want Laviolette. I I'm just I didn't say it's what we wanted. No, 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 no. You you and you bring it up for a very good reason. The, the reason you make is solid. He knows him, he's got comfort with him, and it's the easiest thing and laziest thing to do, and, and Rutherford has, is, is nothing if not consistent. So, one, I just want to be on the record. I don't think they're going to do anything with Mike Sullivan. Yeah, I think that sucks, but I think you're right. 
and you know there is risk to firing a guy like mike sullivan who does do many things well but the things he's gotten wrong i don't see fixing and i don't see this particular roster overcoming them when when the going gets tough against some of these up up and coming teams let alone the the powerhouses like tampa and boston and you know the toronto maple leafs <laughs> who, are, who, are, who are going to the cup final now <laughs> we haven't had a game five yet this will make a game five won't it it would it would but um bruce boudreaux sitting there the best coach and i felt that way i thought honestly the maple leafs should have got bruce boudreaux but uh keith fine enough um, well he was always slotted to go no way understood. They, yeah like there was no chance of it and you are right, i agree you put bruce boudreaux behind the bench of a few of these teams that seem to not know it, it's really interesting boudreaux went when he was in washington these are my horses what are my what are my horses good at go 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 let's do that when he was in Minnesota, as a complete contrast, if you know what I mean, he went, I don't have those type of horses. What do I have to do to get the most out of these particular assets that I have? And changed how he went about coaching. It's not like he can't coach for the situation. He's not all run and gun. I just think that with a team like Pittsburgh, you could be all run and gun and still be very successful. I, um, I don't disagree. And you know damn well he'd have Crosby and Malkin out there more often together at five on five. And you should anyways. And as they get older, they can't carry whole lines on their own. Now, I will ask you this is a crazy, crazy decision. They get Bukestad back next year. Do you stick with McCann as your third line center as badly as that line went? No, I don't think he's... Player for it? Hear me out here before you get there and poo-poo me, because I already Sorry. thought you were... No, I already a- thought you were going to poo-poo me anyway. <laughs> I already thought you were going to get there and poo-poo the idea because of that exact reason that you just mentioned. You play Bukestad as your second line center, and you just play Crosby, Markin, and Gensel together on that top line. Mm. With, you... I'm not there yet. I, I just think they're, uh, you just do the Bilesma things. Oh, we were killing a penalty for a long time. Let's put out Throwing Crosby out and Malkin. Yeah. Uh, you manipulate the TV timeouts. Um, leading up to the last minute of a period, you can jam two lines together. So you don't have to, you know what I mean? You have four lines. Find your six best forwards, put them in two different lines, and close out the period the last two minutes with those two lines. Yeah. I, One of those I lines... Find... Having maybe what exactly what you just suggested. I find it Crosby, amazing. Crosby, Malkin, Gensel. find it amazing that a lowly podcast with us two in it can think of these things, yet they ref- they haven't not thought of it. They just refuse to do it. It's not like it hasn't passed through one ear and out the other. It's there. They just don't want to do it. I don't get it. He had the fucking fourth line out there with two minutes left, and that line sucks. As far as, hear me out, as far as creating offense. Yeah. They yeah, were yeah, good yeah, defensively. Yeah, no, that's a different argument. I, yeah. I, I kind of beginning to think their defensive prowess is a little bit overrated as well. Um, that line was just kind of blah. When they're out there, it's just, okay, I'm eating minutes. Which, you know, for a fourth line, that's fine. But because the Penguins' third line was so shitty, like you kind of needed the fourth line to not be... Blah, because Patrick Marlowe yeah. was a complete disgrace. Um, no offense. He's to, done. He's, he's washed. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Patrick Hornquist. I know, like, you know, I'm, I was certainly willing to listen to the arguments of, okay, why is Connor Sherry up there? Blah blah blah. Why can't Hornquist see a few shifts here and there? Uh, ultimately, today they they took they they made that switch. Patrick Hornquist looks washed at 5-on-5, five five too. And for all the um, accurate comments about Sherry not being strong on his skates, and I, I don't think anybody would say his skill is winning board battles, 
No. I don't think Patrick Hornquist wins as many battles these days as people like perceive him to. Uh, it's because he gets destroyed in front of the net. But he I'm doesn't not even, retrieve I'm not even pucks. talking about those ones. No, no, he doesn't retrieve pucks. He, he used to be good at being a vacuum and getting pucks back, winning them back, and that means that your skilled players don't have to go to the boards to get it. He's struggling at that at the moment. I agree. He's He looks washed to me at even strength, and maybe washed is a little bit too um, critical. He doesn't look like a top six, consistent top six winger for Crosby or Malkin anymore, put it that way. Much in the oh. same regard, Connor Sherry is not a consistent top six winger for Sidney Crosby. I think the same argument can be applied for different reasons for Hornquist. And, yeah, there was that shift today. He got the shit beat out of him in front. He clipped Price. Price cross-checked him down. It all looks frantic and everything. Um, but the problem with that is a lot of times when he's doing all that, he's there's no puck support at all for the other players. The only thing they can do is throw it towards the net. But if the defender's doing a good job of getting in the shooting lane, then there's really nothing. Because then you cycle it down low, and there's no one there because he's in front. Well, he's supposed to be able to curl away from that contact to go and retrieve the puck. And through this playoff series, he's not been able to do that. And it saying that he's almost washed is it's difficult for me. And you said this right at the start of the podcast. It's really difficult to judge the next step for this roster. It's it, it was regards. four games after like six months off. So small sample exact, size alert. Like, yep, I get exactly it. Exactly but... where I was getting to. Cause you don't know whether he actually did. How many of these players actually kept themselves in tip top shape that you would go when the intensity goes up, you're good to go. And the older you get, I think the more Hornquist time off you have, the did. harder it is to get it back. Like you have a look at the guys that played well for Montreal they're all younger guys, right? They've just got that natural athletic, I'm young, I can take time off, and it doesn't make a rat's ass a difference. The older you get, the harder it is to get it back. Yeah, um, but to your point, I, I think Patrick Hornquist being in Sweden where they didn't shut anything down, I'm sure he kind of kept more of a normal lifestyle going. That's uh, even more of a detriment if he... That's, even worse, if that's the case, that he actually took that advantage. I, I don't know what he was doing on his own time. I'm just saying, like, things were open in Sweden. Guys were skating, from what I read. Um, that kind of thing. And he's 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 um, in, in good physical shape. Correct. Um, anyways, so uh, I think most of the guys did pretty good. I didn't I didn't really notice anybody laboring. It's not, but that's the thing. It's not. It's not the laboring. It's the ability to consistently take the abuse and recover from it in the shift. Yeah, that might be age like, related for, for him. Correct. No, no. That, but that's 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 exactly right. Like it's it's really really hard. Like it's one of those. It's one of those things that we're never going to know. You're never going to be able to to work it out. But that's what makes for any team from this playoff run going into the next off-season, it's going to be fucking hard to work out, what who is past it, who you should get rid of, and how is everybody going to go start... Because we're starting in December, right? We're not starting in October. Is that right? For 2021-22? Correct. Uh, I don't even think the... Cup well, 2022. Even... Yeah. I so think December it... was the date. Yeah. So it's really hard to work out how to go with next year with the next season, because it's going to be a condensed schedule. They're going to try and fit 82 games in, in a shorter time, frame of time as well. If I was some of these teams like Pittsburgh and that, I would be looking to find young, not necessarily cheap, but people that are under the age of 25 who can handle a higher workload because they're going to be asked to do a hell of a lot more over a shorter period of time, in my opinion. But well, that's the... some people are pretty high on Sam Poulin. I don't exactly know how... Um, how ready he will be next year. Um, might be a year too soon for that. But the Penguins don't have a lot of prospects coming up. Um, 
That's what happens when Olivier you have to Joseph kid is probably going to take over for Jack Johnson and likely be better than him. So there's that. Um, but as far as like the farm team or the baby penguins, I don't see much there. So they're going to have to get pretty creative and um, they don't really have many assets. You know, you, you know what? I wouldn't mind Pittsburgh actually really utilizing just the fact that they've got bodies in the AHL. As in bring guys up and down, up and down, up and down. Oh, yeah. Oh, just to try and keep... Thing. It's not about that for me. For me, it's about trying to get your elite seven or eight players to play two or three minutes less through the entire season. And quote-unquote, not that you can see me, air quotes, get by <laughs> by having some of those lesser players and players that are barely replacement level play more minutes just to get you through. Because the playoffs over the last few years have proven get in, anything can happen. Ignore this year. Because it's such a random I don't know. Situation. Get in. Anything can happen. I think it kind of proves your point. Oilers out. Penguins out. Both to the 12 seed. Right. So my, my point that I'm trying to lead to with all of this is that it's like, if you're going to have to play 82 games in a condensed time frame. Yeah, I got you there. You, right. So you're going to have to just use guys that you would not want. You and I certainly wouldn't want them on a freaking NHL roster for multiple games or multiple games in a row, but you need to be able to throw them in and out. What you want to have is people that can be fast and people that can put pressure on in the offensive zone so that the other team does not exit with speed. And I think if the, if if Pittsburgh can work out how to arrange... Because nobody's got any cap space. No, this nobody is who to the situation, yeah. as you're right. Um, although Pittsburgh might have cap space... Schultz gone. And, and, and like you said, we, we need to sit down and examine this at a later date. This yeah. is one of those things that's really hard for us to do because we were worried that we were going to go left and right and up and down and then we'll be like, well, what do we talk about next week? So we're trying to condense ourselves down so that we don't go off on those tangents. And that's going to be the fun part of the next few weeks because as teams start to fall out, we'll start paying attention to who's a UFA, who's a restricted free agent, and that's a choice that, that Pittsburgh needs to make that they could create or condense their cap space by what they do with Matt Murray. Um, so, so they're... Yeah, they probably should get rid of him. I know I'm cheating there, but... Um, yeah, I would move on. Just, Jerry's just proven for, that just he for can the money them enough. Reason. Yeah. Jerry has proven that he can do enough that they're not going backwards between the two of them. They did nothing in today's game that made me go, ooh. No, Jari had a decent decent first full year in the NHL. Um, decent, you know, some people are probably rolling right. Yeah, decent, no shit, he made the All-Star game. Yeah, I know. He had a really good year. Now, the thing that's really interesting with that, Jari's last four games, I think his goals against was like four point something. Yeah, they showed it on Sportsnet. Yeah. Save percentage so you, in the eights. So if you have a look at his season numbers, ignore the fact that Pittsburgh went into a tailspin at that point, and you get there and go, Jerry's season beyond those, imagine how much better his numbers would have been anyway. Like, you can't extract them from the overall season, but you go, that's a four-game sample size that was absolute trash. His numbers would have looked ridiculously better from what they were. And you do sit there and go, maybe they have been lucky and they've managed to have Fleury, then Murray come out of sort of nowhere. Because Murray jumped to Smith and Jerry. Yeah, Murray came out of nowhere like a bull. Fleury, uh, number one overall pick. Don't know if no, he no, came no, out of they, nowhere. They had, him, they had him for over a decade. Somebody that they thought they could rely on. Their arguments in regards to whether they should have done that or not. No, but, but then, anyways. Yeah, correct. But that's who they went with, right? But then you get there and go, you've got you've got Murray, and then you've gone, shit, we've got... DeSmith was supposed to be the next guy and, and has proven that he's not terrible. You could literally run with a Jerry and DeSmith goaltending pairing next year and you yeah. save yourself three or four mil. And I, I would advocate for that, in fact. So, um, yeah. 
Um, well, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna lie. The overtime has started, and I let's don't stop know. and go watch the overtime. I don't. Oh, know that's how, where you, that's uh, where you're headed, right? That is where you're is, headed. Uh, gonna be on the podcast because I'm so fascinated <laughs> by this game. Uh, but you know, just a review. Jack Johnson sucks. The coach sucks for playing him. The coach should be fired because of it. Because this isn't just a one-year thing. He did it last year too. He's not creative. Uh, during Where's game situations that dictate. Where's the two-headed monster? Um, not a bad coach by any stretch, but that doesn't mean you don't move on kind of deal. So, um, oh! new coach, new GM, kick him a promotion. Maybe we'll talk about the GM more later. But, uh, today was more, um, you know, I don't think this was one of Rutherford's worst years um, no, 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 I don't think The Zucker so. thing um, should be okay. Um, team overall was good enough to compete. That was better than the year before, and to be honest, that's great, but when it's the, your own mistakes you're trying to fix, there's your problem. So, Penguins. You know, it would have been cool to have more August hockey from them after this whole pandemic bullshit, but uh, they laid an egg, <laughs> and we're not going to get any more... Uh, penguins hockey for quite a while so it's pretty unique in the sense that we went six months without it got a week now we got to wait three four months for more i don't think there's ever been a a period quite like it so um it's disappointing in that sense um you know because i like watching crosby and malkin play but uh they they deserve it they deserve to lose to the canadians the canadians uh did exactly what they had to do i thought games three and four the game script was really good for montreal you know how the game was flowing you're just like oh yes this this is playing out for this is this is what montreal would want to happen right now um and uh it was and it and and they're done so uh, yeah Boo. weird weird season <laughs> to podcast but um you know, there we are. There was another Penguin season that we got to do. And we, you know, we're not done podcasting, but as we usually do at the end of Penguin seasons, uh, thank you thank you all for listening um, through all the good, the bad, uh, the, the above other. average podcast, the good podcast, the bad ones. Uh, we, we appreciate the support. So, What are uh, our podcasts above replacement? How are we going on that? What do you reckon? I think we're above replacement. Hope so. Not to everybody, but, you know, to, to most. So Excellent. En, en, enjoy um, the next week of games. It should be fun. A whole new series starting. The draft lottery on Monday when the Penguins <laughs> troll the entire NHL. So, all right. I guess that'll do. Um, happy yeah. birthday to Sid. Thank you for all that you've done over the years, Sid. We enjoy it. But, uh, you know, probably not your favorite birthday. Uh, no. So, gotcha, guys. See ya.